Yo, yo, what up, what up? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life? This podcast is specifically designed for the people in our generation, like you and like me, who are looking to figure out how to live with more purpose, more success, more happiness, more love, more contribution, all that good stuff, but while navigating the unique challenges that exist of today. We both know that the traditional roadmap for success no longer works, and I love interviewing world-class thinkers, positive psychologists who study the science of happiness and motivation and goals, uh, also people who are spiritual luminaries and business CEOs and just overall badasses. And today's interview is actually me being interviewed by Lorianne King, who I really enjoyed. And this interview is unlike any interview you've ever heard with me. The reason is, is because when she emailed me about the topic we'd be talking about, I was surprised to see it was all about my relationship with my girlfriend. And I've been deeply into studying attraction and studying love and relationships amongst other personal development fields for the last 10 years, but I rarely talk about it. And, you know, if you really knew me and I kind of drop the professional life coach persona, which I don't think I have too much of anyway, but if we're going to kind of lower that and come behind the scenes a little bit more, one of the reasons I've been hesitant to talk about that is just my own insecurity of it. It's, it's such a uh, complicated or can feel like such a complicated topic. And so I generally have shied away from sharing much advice, even though it's been one of the fields that I've gone deepest into studying. And when I did this interview, I was surprised with myself at how much I had to share that felt really important for other people to learn, mostly because these are things that are uncommonly talked about, yet really practical when it comes to figuring out who to date, how to be in love, and how to navigate the inevitable challenges that do come up when you are in love instead of running the other way and thinking that there's something wrong with you or with someone else, how to bring consciousness to this and work through it. So I'm stoked. I'm a little embarrassed. We go into some moments about me being triggered and kind of recent things where I acted perhaps inappropriately. But overall, I'm really you know excited, particularly for this interview and all the goodness that will ensue. So uh, I hope that you shoot me a tweet at Jacob Sokol. Let me know what you think. And also, in the meantime, subscribe to the podcast because we've got some great interviews coming up in the future that I think you're going to want to hear. And one of the best ways to make sure you do that is just by taking five seconds right now to uh, hit the subscribe button all up in your podcast app. So let's do it. I'm stoked. Thank you so much for rocking with us. And with no further ado, allow me to embarrass myself. Here we go. Hello, I'm Laurieann King, the founder of FeminineSwagger.com, where I give relationship advice for smart women. And today I'm interviewing Jacob Sokol, the founder of Sensify. Sensify is a life coaching company that Jacob created to help young adults answer the question, what the F should I do with my life? Jacob, say hello. What up, what up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally my pleasure. So I want to tell everyone why I'm interviewing you today. You know, one of the things I'm obsessed with is learning and teaching what it takes to have a relationship that doesn't just last, but actually grows. It gets better and better over time. And one of the hypotheses that I've been testing and that I believe to be true is that people and couples who have this kind of relationship that continues to get better, they're not just lucky. They didn't just fall into that relationship. I mean, maybe they got lucky when they met, but it really takes something to create that kind of relationship. And so I'm interviewing people who are successful in multiple areas of life to get a sense of what is that mindset? What are some of their beliefs? Mm. So, Jacob, I know you are someone who's totally rocking it in multiple areas of life. And in your business, you've worked with other highly successful people, including Brian Johnson of Philosopher's Notes. Are Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, and I really want to get into what are some of your beliefs around love and 
you know, so we're just going to talk about what is your relationship like, and we'll really dig into that mindset around love and partnership. Let's do it. I'm stoked. And just to keep it real, I didn't actually work with Tim Ferriss, but he's inspired me deeply, which is how I can okay. see that be a, a conception. Um, but let's do it. I'm stoked. I, I haven't spoke much about relationships because I've always felt a bit like, who, who am I to do that in a way, right? But it's funny because we all have that in some capacity. It's like, who am I to help when I'm not perfect yet? But the last two years, have I have been in a relationship and it's been a very consciously evolving relationship. And, and so I'm, I'm stoked to share some of the, uh, the lessons that I've learned along the way. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and I totally appreciate that because I deal with that myself and it's my whole business. And I've been married for like, two years in January. And, you know, people ask me that question. Well, you know, how do you have all the answers? And that's really not what I teach, that I have all the answers, but that I'm looking for the answers and I'm sharing what I'm finding. Totally. I've got all the questions. Answers I don't know about, (laughs) but questions, I got them. Yeah. And and I totally believe that we have the answers within us. So if we are asking the right questions, we're going to get those answers. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your current relationship? (laughs) Where to start? Where to start? Well, uh, my girlfriend is amazing. I'm madly in love with her. And uh, she is just amazing. What else do I say? Um, we met two, about a little over two years ago at a personal development event, which for all, I guess it's mostly women watching this. But if, you know, women, if your guy friends are asking you, where can I meet great women, send them to personal development events. Because the event that I went to had about 200 people and there was about five guys out of 200 people and about three of them were gay. So it was basically me and one other guy who had, you know, who was, who was open, but, but, um, so she came up to me and, and she had, uh, just found sensify, which is the work that I do briefly before, maybe two weeks before. And so she came up to me, Oh, you're the sensify guy. She was actually looking to get a job with my company. And I was just like, I was like, oh, you want to get to talk? Like, this would be great. Like, you're beautiful and we should get to know each other. And um, she quickly realized that my interest in her was was not for, you know, a position in my company, but more because she's beautiful and amazing. And uh, she's a health and sensuality coach. I am a life coach. And so it, it kind of goes well together. Um, but to, Give me um give me a specific question because I, I can I can feel myself like going in a, a hundred different directions here. <laughs> well, it's perfect, and part of what is really exciting actually is just to watch your your natural answer to that question and to see the enthusiasm come through for like how you feel about her. It's, like it's really sweet. I want to go get her from the other room right now and be like, "Girl, get in here." <laughs> She's totally invited. You know, I was so um, Nadia. Is it Nadia or Nadia? Not, I'm not sure. Either way. Okay. Either one. I'm Canadian, so I say like really long A's. So I'll, Got it. I'll do not yet. And I was looking at a bit of her stuff online. And I think actually her and I have pretty similar philosophies where it's really about connecting women to their own guidance mm. and their own intuition and really learning how to trust themselves. And we come at it from different angles. She's from a, a health and a body perspective, and I come at it from a love perspective. But from what I've seen from the outside, she seems really amazing too. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. So how long have you two been together? It's been a little over two years now. And we we actually started traveling shortly after we met because she's not a U.S. citizen. And so there was only a certain amount of time she could be in the U.S., And in order for us to kind of make it work, I felt like, why don't we just go travel? And so we traveled for about a year and a half and, uh, you know, just jumped straight into that. Oh, that's so interesting. So the next question I was going to ask you was, what was it like to go from dating to being in a committed relationship? So was that kind of the transition point or had that happened earlier? You know, I never believed in love at first sight. You know, it just feels like a Disney movie to me, like part of like the societal script of like this fantasy of the way life should be. 
uh, until it happened, until I was like, oh my God, I looked into her eyes for the first time and I'm like, I know you already. Like, how do I know you? And we've never met before. Uh, so pretty instantly we were, we were kind of engaged, like locked in and engaged with each other as to like, you're what's up. I don't need to pretend that I'm not interested in you. Like I am, let's, let's get into it. And, and yeah. And so I was, you know, she was probably dating someone and that kind of fizzled out and I was doing the same. And we just, we just, what I love so much about her is I felt like I could tell her everything. There was nothing that I needed to hide. And, and likewise, and so we did this thing called If You Really Knew Me, which it's just kind of, it's like a, a sentence starter so that you can then finish it and it creates a safe context for you to share something that you might be embarrassed to normally share. So like, if you really knew me, you would know I'm really in my head right now and I like you so much, but I don't know why. Maybe I'm tired or something. I just feel kind of like disconnected from my body and like it just feels weird. And in that exact moment, just by being able to share that, it would drop me right into my body. And we did this like, you know, we must have said this 200 times in the first you know, three months of dating. It was just a regular practice. Like if you really knew me, you would know you know, I kind of think that girl's hot, but is it okay that I say that in front of you? Like, are you cool with that? And, you know, we kind of just felt our way into the relationship using this little tool. Wow. That's awesome. So it wasn't just, you know, we did this exercise once or we would do this exercise at a certain time of day. It was like whenever you had something that you were kind of afraid to share, you would use the tool and just share it. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. So it's like you can go learn, you can have a meditation practice every day, which is very useful. I would suggest doing that. But really it's in the moment where you're, where I'm nervous before getting on an interview, right? Learning to utilize it in the moment and have that tool of, hmm, let me reconnect to my breath right now. That's what we were doing. So it wasn't just a static practice. It was a dynamic in the moment. Here's what makes sense kind of practice. Mm, That's awesome. And similar actually right before we started this interview I you know went to hit record and I said to Jacob oh and I'm really nervous you know and it was a way of just actually acknowledging what's there for me so it loses its grip on me Mm, completely yeah so um can you say a little more about you said something in there you know we met it felt like I already knew her and got to the point where I didn't have to pretend I wasn't interested Mm. Can you just say a little more about that mindset? Because that's one that I think gets in the way of a lot of relationships um, yeah. flourishing. It, it doesn't work if you're looking for someone to complete you. So if you're, if you're kind of living in the par- par- paradigm of life as to like, when I find that soulmate of mine, I'll finally be whole and complete. That's not an approach that's going to work. But because I was so on purpose in my own life and I had spent that time kind of putting in that energy to um, to get my life in a place where I felt whole and complete and like I didn't need a relationship by any means in order to make me happy. I, I wanted one. I mean, I love dating and it's a really important aspect of my life. But because of that, I was able to just be real. Like I got nothing to hide. There's, there's, you know, you're awesome. We should spend more time together. Like, you know, if you don't feel that way about me, well, that's better. I know that now than later. You know, one of my one of my practices with dating is to like really show who I am in the beginning, so that I don't need to wait three months in order for you to say like, "Oh, here's who I really am, and here's who you really are," and we're not a compatible fit for each other. So why not do that in the beginning? And yeah, we we just had a really good connection. Like I could sense what she was experiencing really well. And I think vice versa, which um, didn't always happen when dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're really present with her and she's really present with you. And so you mm-hmm. can feel that you can feel where the other person's at. And I love what you were saying. The tagline of feminine swagger is be yourself and be in love. Because so often we're, you know, women are taught this like ridiculous dating advice, like don't text them back for five days or things like that, where it's all really coming from a place of ego and coming mm. from a place of manipulation. And so it's really refreshing to hear you say like, oh, actually my practice 
is I'm going to be myself up front because that's the fastest way to get information about whether this is worth it or not. Totally. Totally. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to be uh, super needy or that like, you know, it, it, we're all vulnerable at some, at some point, you know, especially when relating deeply. So if I really like her and I'm like, you know, damn, like, I really like you, like, like, whoa, like, holy shit. I didn't expect to like you this much. You're amazing. There's a way I can say that in the way I just did where it's like, I'm, I'm whole and complete either way. Right. Like, sure. I'd be disappointed. And maybe I'd go talk to a friend or two or three about it. Like if she was like, never talk to me again, but there's not this, like, I'm asking for your validation to approve of me or to say that I'm, I'm good enough. Cause I, I got that. I got that. Yeah. There's like no attachments really to the outcome. Like you would be disappointed, but your well-being, who you are, your confidence doesn't rely on the outcome. Mm. And just so everyone who's listening knows, right? Like the reason that I do this and I imagine you as well, Lori, is because of how I used to do it the complete other way and how that didn't work at all and how I, you know, experienced so much pain and suffering and insecurity. And, and so it's not that I'm innately confident or great with dating. It's just that I tried it so much one way. And after that, it's like, oh, I guess that's not the way to do it. Let me try it this other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask, and I've done a little research, so I have some of the answers, but there might be more. What, um, what kind of things have you done to specifically try and grow in the area of romantic relationships? Well, I think it starts with growth of yourself. So I think it starts with not just growing in romantic relationships, but there's something about knowing what's important to you and then living in alignment with those things that creates a a sense of self-esteem and integrity that is vital to a healthy relationship. So to me, it starts there. It starts with how connected are you to your purpose Oftentimes, I would see people kind of looking around for someone to date where they are, even though they don't feel connected to their purpose. And the kind of model that I have in my head is like, you don't meet your ideal partner by looking around where you are. You meet your ideal partner when you're both out rocking your purpose, and then your purposes kind of cross ahead in the future. But if you were to look where you are right now, oftentimes that person will keep you where you are right now. And if that's not on purpose, then that's not a place that you want to be. So to me, it really starts with connecting deeply to my purpose. Who am I? What's important to me? Living in alignment with that. And as I do that, then being open to, to what can come from it. So, so that's the kind of fundamental work. I, I can think more of other specific things that I've done, but to me, that's just ground zero. Mm-hmm. So it really starts with you and yourself. How well do you know yourself and not just know yourself, but are you actually living that life that you want? Are you on the path to living it? Because that's where you're going to find someone who really you know, meets you where you are. If you're looking where you are and you don't want to stay where you are, that might actually be attracting the wrong. Totally. Totally. And we're so much more attractive when we are kind of turned on by life, when we are enthusiastic about what we're doing or taking good care of ourselves, or following our heart and engaging in that thing that's on our bucket list or making moves in order to really live in a way that we want to live. Like even here's the thing is like, yeah, we can be excited and enthusiastic and inspired and that's attractive. But even the realness of like, crying through that hardship of creating that that's also attractive like there's something about the realness of i'm not putting up a front and a mask and closing down but i'm going to open up and expand and allow you in even when it's messy that's actually really attractive if if you feel safe to do that um and that for my girlfriend you know the day that we met it was interesting because that was she she we were in a personal development event and she was crying because of some of the exercises that was were happening in the in the event and here i am sitting next to her she never cries in public she's a very kind of she ha, she was a very type a masculine you know i don't trust uh anybody really i definitely don't trust the feminine and 
And so she's so used to being kind of guarded and cynical and, and closed off to anything considered feminine or weak or emotional or whatever. And it was the first time that she cried in front of a guy who then embraced her even more because of the cry. And so as she was crying, I'm like, oh, like I put my arm on her and kind of like, you know, caressed her. Not It was platonic at that point, but like, are you okay? Like, you know, t- tell me like, and, and just loved her as she was instead of needing to, to fix her or change her, but just like held the space for her. Yeah, I can see you take that deep breath of relief. Like, oh, thank God, <laughs> someone's doing that. Oh, it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was like something changed, I think, in her biology in that experience of like, oh, I was living under this belief of if I open up in, the, in those tears that I'm going to send the, the guys running in the opposite direction. But actually, strangely enough for her, it was like, no, I actually came closer. And I experienced that in our relationship. It's really weird sometimes that I'll actually get turned on when she's crying. And from an outside perspective, it's like, whoa, like you sick weirdo, like what you get turned on by other people's pain. But energetically, there's actually something that happens where it's because she's so open in emotionally in those moments that I'm not, th- it's not like I'm thinking sexual thoughts. It's just, I notice my body like, whoa, like I'm suddenly really drawn and attracted to you. I need to go be next to you immediately right now to like hold that space for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes total sense to me. I mean, one of the things that feels the best to the masculine is having the feminine be really open. And so in those moments when she's actually most vulnerable, it's like, you just want to be there. Like that, there's nowhere else you want to be in those moments. Totally. Yeah. It's really sweet to hear that um, coming from a man. Cause I say that to my women a lot and it's like, yeah, sure. Like he really wants to see me cry. Yeah. Now, now, now there's a, there's a distinction between like, I've got work to do. So AKA I have, I have a purpose and a mission. And so, you know, she's had months in our relationship where it's been really challenging for her, you know, not having a home, being in countries where she doesn't speak the native language there, not being around friends, having, uh, starting a business. Like there's all types of challenges that, that have come up. And there's been weeks and months that have been really rough for her. And sometimes where she's just in a surrender of like, I'm just crying my eyes out for three days. It's not often, but you know, it it has happened. And in those moments for me, I, I have to understand, like, I also have a purpose to show up for in the world. And if I have this, my business thing happening and I have people depending on me, I'm going to do that. Um, But also I'm going to create a container for you that, you know, you know, from let's say nine to five, I'm in work mode and I'm hyper-focused, laser sharp on here's what I'm here to do. But the moment that I'm not working, like the container is there for you to do whatever you want. You can, you know, cry, let it out. So especially because we both work from home now or two years into the relationship, we do create containers and, and boundaries and understandings of she's not going to walk into my office right now and start crying, right? It's just not going to eat me and you're on an interview. She knows that she could be melting down in the other room right now. There's no way she's coming in here because if there's a really clear boundary around when I'm in this mode, do not fuck with it. And when I'm not in this mode, right, I am completely there to hold as much fucking space as your heart desires, and if she really was panicking right now, she could come in. Obviously, she knows that. But generally speaking, she's not going to do that. Yeah, and, and that's part of the safety too, right? That she knows that if it, like, if it really, really was required, that she would come first. But aside from like dire emergency, you're on a mission. And she respects your mission and supports you in being on your mission. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. And so you've been talking a lot about vulnerability in your relationship in terms of, you know, even the dating practice you had when you were first dating. And then even in moments of your relationship, you know, right when you met her and she was crying and it was the first time she's cried in front of a man. Can you just say a little more about what that kind of openness or that kind of vulnerability feels like for you? Coming 
from me to be vulnerable or for her to be vulnerable with me? Why don't you say both? So it feels amazing when she's vulnerable with me. It feels like, again, she's opening and that mate draws me right in. I'm like, oh, wait, you what? Huh? Tell me more? No fucking way. Really? What? So there's, there's that. Um, and then my own vulnerability, like it's scary sometimes, you know, like I've said shit that I've never told to anyone, to my girl, but from a spiritual perspective, I believe that the purpose of relationships are to heal the parts of ourselves that feel unlovable, that we're unable to heal by ourselves can only be healed through empathy and through loving the fuck out of those unlovable parts of ourselves and to have someone who we are intimately relating with do that and to do that for someone, that's the work that I'm most inspired by. And it's ironic because oftentimes the exact reason that I'd want to run out of the relationship is the exact reason that I want to stay in the relationship because I know that something is coming up because we're so intimate and because we are, um, we are where we are and we are, we are in a relationship, something is coming up in order to be healed. And that's that same thing that's going to want to, that's going to repulse me. That's going to send me in the other direction that actually, if I can slow down, breathe into, go into with consciousness and with support, um, that's some of the most meaningful work that I can be doing for myself and for the planet. So, so that feels vulnerable kind of later in the relationship now. And, and that, you know, I believe that we don't attract people. We're not attracted to people for more than two weeks or a week um, who aren't there to bring up a blind spot within ourselves, an insecurity, a vulnerability, a, um, a shadow part in order for it to be healed. And so if you've kind of been dating the same guy 10 times with a different face, right? Like there's no coincidence. It's because there's a part of yourself that is asking to be healed. And so you get into these relationships in order to have to look at it. Now, my nudge would be, unless that dude is also open to doing the work and to be conscious about it, it might not get healed. So you do want to find a partner who is open to having conscious conversations, being in their heart, being vulnerable, who you get a sense like growth is important to this person. And, and so all of that shit is vulnerable. I mean, that's to, to me, much of what I'm talking about kind of started to happen late uh, months into the relationship, but we were vulnerable from day one, just with like, if you really knew me, you would know that I'm fucking nervous or I'm in my head or like, um, when you said that thing, like I felt this way and, 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 but I'd, I'd encourage everyone to think about why do you want to be in a relationship? Why is that important for you? For me, it, I, I got clear on that. It was, I want to be in a relationship with someone who can support me in my purpose and who I can support them in their purpose and also for intimacy. Now, just because someone is attractive doesn't mean that you'll be intimate with them. You know, there's a lot of attractive people out there who you can have one night stands with or even quick flings with, but you won't, and it'll be exciting and hot, et cetera, but you won't get the depth of intimacy that you can only come from knowing someone deeply. And that happens over time. And that happens consciously with, with a commitment to stay open when we feel like closing down. And so I was really clear on that going into relationship, like here's what I wanted. And that requires vulnerability in, in order to get to those places. Yeah, I love so much of what you just said. I mean, there's a ton in there that we can chew on. And so I part of what I teach is relationship as a growth practice, right? And I'm really hearing that that's one of the perspectives you have in your relationship is that you're brought together with someone who has something to show you for you to heal. Mm. And it really stood out to me. Um, so one of the emails Jacob sent to his mailing list, and if you're not on his mailing list, you should get on it, go to sensify.com and sign up. But he sent out an email saying the subject line was, I love my girlfriend so much. And I counted, actually, you say I love her in some form, no less than five times in that email. <laughs> like, it's totally adorable. And you also say at one point, 
I love her so much, and sometimes I also hate her fucking guts, but only because I love her so much. Because that healing partner really does trigger those wounds and bring those up for us to us to heal them. So I'm curious, can you say a little more about how are you responsible for for those feelings that you have that like to an outsider or to someone who's less conscious in their relationship, it, w- it might really look like it's the other person's fault. How um, are you responsible for those reactions? What do you do? Uh, well, I can't say that I always handle them as eloquently as I'd like. Uh, sure. There have been moments where I flip the fuck out. Like that's part of being human and part of being in, in relationship. But, uh, you know, I take ownership of it. I kind of walk through life with that lens as well. Like anything that's happening, ultimately, it's not about what's happening. It's about what that evokes in me. And it's my ownership and responsibility to then figure out what am I going to do with this? Like I was supposed to do an interview 30 minutes before hours. And I don't usually check my email in the morning. And I just skimmed my inbox and saw oh, she, she emailed me and, and like six hours before our interview, she's like, oh, I decided to pick another date in your calendar like a week away. And it's like, you know, there were 60 people who emailed me who wanted to, you know, and my ego is coming up. I'm like, you know, I can, and it's my responsibility in that moment to be like, okay, so like, what am I going to do with this, right? Am I going to have compassion for her? Am I going to let it bother me? And no matter how long I've been in this work, like, or any of us, this is, this is the journey. These, having these little tools in order to navigate uh, situations that we might find challenging, that's it. So, so in our relationship, um, it, it kind of comes from that, from that frame and from that lens of, okay, well, it really is up to me to take ownership of, of what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. And... Um, and then to communicate that, and this was a challenge for me, but to be able to communicate that in a way where it doesn't trigger her. So I can say, here's what I'm feeling when this happens versus you fucking bitch. How could you do that? Right? Like yeah. that would be like another part of me that might want to say that, but to be like to, to sit down and also to not communicate a couple things. One is to kind of know what works for her. So for me, the first six months of our relationship, anytime that like something would bother me, I would just reframe it in my mind and be like, okay, more compassion, more compassion. But actually this didn't work well for her. So I was doing it kind of trying to protect her, but she actually felt more unsafe when I did that because she didn't know what was actually going on. And she's like, if you're angry, just fucking be angry with me because I'll feel safe knowing that you're angry instead of you being some psychopath who doesn't express any emotions. And then a year later you come and, you know, blow up. And, mm-hmm. and so this was a challenge for, for us initially. But what I noticed a pattern of mine that I, that I would do is that I really don't like to see her in pain. I think all guys can relate to this. Maybe all people can relate to this as well. We don't like to see other people in pain. And so the moment that we see someone experiencing pain, we want to fix it or solve it, right? And as, uh, as many women know and many guys know, you know, when we are feeling emotional, we don't want to be fixed. We want to be loved. And that being said, when there's a prolonged period of pain, I was having a hard time seeing her in that pain. And so I would do one of two things. I would either one, get into my head and try to reframe it and be like, oh, like I'd create meaning and logic and like look at it through a different lens, one. Or two is I would I would disconnect and, and kind of leave and be like, all right, well, I'm going to let you melt down. I'm going to let you go through. And she'll, she'll tell me, yeah, let me do it. I'll get out of it, blah, blah, blah. And so I would bounce and, you know, either way I was bouncing, I was disconnecting. One was to my head and the other was physically out of the space. Mm-hmm. And what I learned, such a, a little mastery move that I learned was that actually what's called for in that moment is to stay in my heart with the hurt with her. So instead of saying, do this, we could look at it this way or don't, or don't worry, you know, everything will be all right, blah, blah, blah. 
It was actually to drop into my heart and to stay in my heart and to share what was in my heart in that moment, which was, babe, when I see, you know, you going through this, it fucking just breaks my heart. Like it hurts me so much to see you cry. And I'm like afraid to tell you this because I don't want you to feel worse, but you just matter so much to me that like when you're crying, it's like my world is falling apart. And and I know that everything is going to be all right. I know I'm going to handle business and shit is going to be okay, but but when I look at you and when it, when I see that, it's like, it just fucking kills me. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so distraught because, and like, if I, and I'm just making an example here, but when I do that, when I stay in, in my heart and share what's in my heart, it's like she melts all of a sudden. Yeah, I melt it over here, you know, yeah. thousands of miles away. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, everything that that was wrong in the world is, is suddenly no longer wrong. Suddenly it's like, oh, Okay. And, and so this, this is a big lesson I learned uh, actually last summer. So a year and a half into our relationship, but um, that was really challenging for me and it can still be at times, but having this practice of like dropping into my heart and staying connected to my heart and communicating from there instead of needing to get into my head or needing to leave because it hurts so much and I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can really hear how that, provides her with this new layer of safety and certainty and it's like you know whatever is whatever sky is falling around her or emotional experience she's having she's got that rock solid foundation of you staying with her in that moment and that makes a huge difference yeah so what does she provide for you in in terms of your growth in the relationship in terms of growth, when I heard the first part of that question, my answer was what she provides is, uh, well, now I'm thinking of a lot of things, but <laughs> is it unconditional love, really, to know that like I can share with her the parts of myself that hold the deepest shame, the really young things that happened young in my life where I just feel like I am a bad person because of this or I am broken because of this, and, and I can just share all of that with her. And, it, and it's still happening. Even three days ago, I shared something with her, a dream that I had when I was 13 years old that was so shameful that I've never shared it with anyone and just shared it three days ago. And like, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you told me that. Like, we all have dreams like that at that age. Like, I had a bunch, you know, as well. And so it's still, it still happens in our relationship. Uh, and so that, I think, is first and foremost what comes to mind. As far as growth. Well, even that does sound like actually that that really allows you to grow. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's, I think it goes back a little bit to the same reason that I'd want to leave the relationship is the same reason I actually want to stay in it. It's the parts, it's our mutual hooks that we have and mutual triggers that we experience that like, for instance, jealousy is one for me. So like I'll get jealous if I were to see her, I would see this, you know, Brad Pitt walks in the room and Nadia is like swooning over him. And she's like, Oh, Mr. Pitt, you know, like something in me will start to like, go like the doom, the doom, the doom, like illogical, you know, that's not safe for this to be happening. Mm -hmm. And so I'll respond then in a way that she will feel as if I'm taking away her freedom and so we have these these mutual blind spot hooks, which is her not wanting to feel trapped and like her freedom is being taken away, but me feeling like I need you to really um, make me feel secure because I'm insecure about this. I need you to make me feel secure and reassure me that you're going to be here for me no matter what. And the more that I get triggered, the more that she gets triggered, the more that I'm like, I'm jealous. Come here. She's like, get away from me. Like, let me be free. And so if we can like if we can collapse those uh, triggers through conscious awareness, communication, a shit ton of pain, you know, all that fun stuff, um, that to me is some of the most um, powerful growth that we can be doing. And, and it's still there. It's not like I've healed all these parts. It can still happen. But I'm excited to, uh, to gain more mastery over it. Um, and then once you, you know, continue to work out that stuff, then you can show up more powerfully for the impact that you're here to make in the world. If me and her are constantly fighting and and not connected 
and on the same page, it's going to be really hard for us to make the impact that we have the potential to make when we're supporting each other. Mm. Yeah, I love that. You know, one of my hypotheses is that great relationships, if we're lucky, that person will keep triggering us for the rest of our life. They just won't be the same triggers because we'll actually heal those. But that person will continue to challenge us and be able to grow with us. I think otherwise, you know, the energy in the relationship might just dissipate and we'll go find someone else who does help us grow. Mm. So it's like, it's, it's probably never really going away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm here learning with you. Yeah. That's great. So um, what does a fight look like in your relationship and how does it get resolved? <laughs> well, my goal is not for us to fight less. It's for us to resolve them more quickly. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not someone really smart told me that. It's just intuitively what I feel. It's not that I don't want to fight. It's just that I don't want to spend like four days in the toxic, 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 give me the word. What is it? Toxic. Toxic. There we go. Close. (laughs) Toxic, toxic resentment of that energy in the house. Like that, that's not helpful for anybody. Um, So we, uh, A vulnerable thing for me is to ask for her opinion on my work. She's really smart and I really respect her. And I know that when she's really connected to herself, that her feedback is the best feedback that I'm going to get because she knows me so well. So she can provide feedback for me that no one else can because of her, the nuances that she knows about who I am and the way I am and, and et cetera. And I can really use her as, as a, a source for my vision of what I can create to kind of run it through the, the check of her to see her physiological response when I say that. Like, does that feel congruent to her? Does she feel that in her body? Or is it like, eh? But this, so it's really valuable. But I find personally that I'm only interested in that information when she's really connected to herself and really present with me. So we were having a conversation like this the other day, Sunday, three days ago, and we were walking. We were out in Williamsburg, Brooklyn over here, down by the water. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Everything is great. And she's giving me great feedback, you know, and we get back to our place and suddenly, because we come back into our apartment, the energy changes and now she's thinking about the laundry that needs to get done her mom is waiting to call her she wants to roast the vegetables and she's still trying to help me with this like last 15 seconds of what we're talking about and I just felt how she suddenly went into four different places and was giving me feedback while being in those four different places instead of being in that one place with me which is for me is a really vulnerable place if I'm if I'm at that point it feels very raw to me to be there. And, um, and I just flipped out like, and she's trained me to flip out. She's like, I, I want you to, ex- to express that anger. Like I want you to get it out. And so instead of me like quietly resenting her for the next hour or day or whatever, I just fucking screamed like full, like, I stepped into my, like, you know, my total emotional body and was just like, ah! like and it wasn't like I was like yelling at her for a prolonged period of time. It was like one loud primal roar, like, and then the fucking, you know, left and went into my office. And as I'm turning away from her, there's like part of me that's almost laughing a little bit because I'm like, I can't believe I just did that. That's ridiculous, you know, but like also felt really good to get it out. And she walked in my office about a minute later and uh, one of the tools that we've been working on is like her um, stroking my chest to like calm me down, like take the heat down or the intensity down. And so she did that and and we spoke about it and there's still a little bit of conflict there, but about 30 minutes later, I walked out of my office and um, we both were like, I fucking hate you with a big smile on our face and, and that was it. So... So it changes, it changes, but one of the things that, you know, is a, is an uncomfortable truth, I think sometimes is that 
if our hearts are disconnected, if there is resentment between us, it makes both of us much less effective and, and much less kind of plugged into the universe or to our deeper wisdom. And so we can try to power through it. But um, I think that the work really is tapping into our heart and being able to communicate from there so that we can show up in the world in the way we're inspired to. Mm. Mm. That's, that's beautiful. And, you know, I love what you said about your goal isn't to fight less, but it's to resolve it faster. Because, you know, it kind of relates back to what I was saying about if we're lucky, the person we end up with will keep triggering us our whole life, but it'll be new triggers. So that's a sign of growth. Yeah. And, it, and you know, it, a relationship where there's no fighting is often a complacent one or where people aren't really standing for something or they're not really in touch with how they're actually feeling. Cause we're emotional creatures. We're going to have emotional visceral reactions like that primal scream you did. And it's, it's so cool that there's a container in your relationship for that, where when you're expressing your anger, Nadia is not taking that personally. Like that's not a reflection of her or how much you love her or that she's bad or wrong. And I'm hearing so much power in your relationship because there's not a lot of conversation for who's right and who's wrong. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, that's a great question, right? Do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? Yeah. What, what, what's important to you for everyone who's listening? Do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? And when we can orient ourselves towards, I want to be loved and I want to be loving, then uh, it takes that, that conversation to a different place. Yeah, totally. I think I think being right is kind of the booby prize. And it's probably something that we're conditioned when we're really young, that if we are right, or we do the right thing, then we will be loved. Mm. But it's yeah. kind of the trick. I mean, often in intimate relationships, it's what can you do to reestablish that intimacy? What could you say that would be vulnerable that would get that person on the same side of the table as you instead of at war with you? Yeah, which is the last thing we want to do because we're hurt, right? So when you're hurt, you don't want to say, I'm hurt, because then we're afraid we're going to get even more hurt because we'll be revealed and and we then do anything to pretend that we're not hurt. But actually, that's what part of what I was saying before is allowing ourselves to speak from the hurt, from the heart, from whatever's there, kind of dissolves everything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have lots of questions I want to ask you, and we're getting short on time, so I'm thinking about the most important ones. Well, you've mentioned a number of habits you have in your relationship together, and I want to check, are there any other beliefs or habits that you practice that really make a difference for you? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's a ton. Uh, none are coming to mind right now, but I'll, I'll keep that seed planted if something really profound pops in in the next uh, remaining time that we're together. Okay, that sounds great. And you started to talk about this a little bit, but how has your relationship impacted your business, your work? In, in a million ways. Uh, one is that I feel loved no matter what. So no matter what I do, it's like at the end of the day, I'm going to come home and I'm going to be someone's hero, right? As long as I just show up and like give it my best. Uh, so, so that's great, you know, no matter what, like at the end of the day, I have love in my life and that's, that's a great thing to, to come home to every day. Um, and then as far as the growth, a lot of the growth that I've gone through in my relationship has then been wisdom that I've learned that has enabled has enabled me to do what I do better because I am a coach and a mentor and a teacher and help people navigate the challenges of life. My girl has reflected back to me the parts of my life that I had less consciousness over. And so because I've gained that consciousness, I can then help pass it forward. Uh, and also part of what I mentioned as far as her being a really clear vision kind of check for what I'm going to do. So because she knows me so well, it's not that I'm asking her like, what's my purpose? But it's like, when I have a sense of it and I share it with her, like, what is her response? And like, how does she feel about that? And and you really, 
I wouldn't, it's not that I would suggest that for everyone, but when you really trust someone and you really get like, they have my best interest at heart and they're not giving me feedback based on their own insecurities, trying to manipulate me into creating a life that they're going to like best, but actually is like the, the highest expression of my time here on earth. Um, when there's that, as well as knowing that she's not just telling me some like generic thing about what it means to be a man or masculine, like, Oh, you should go make a bunch of money or you should be the CEO of this huge business. But like the feedback is actually related to me as an individual and my uniqueness and and my kind of strengths that I don't even see sometimes. Um, that these are some of the things that can come from a conscious intimate relationship that you're just not going to get anywhere else. And you can get this with, with a coach or with mentorship, but not in the depth that, um, from what I've experienced, not in the depth that you're going to get it from your intimate partner who you spend all your time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love hearing your perspective on this because for a lot of people, it can be really hard to take feedback from their significant other or take advice from their significant other because because we know each other so well, we can so easily point to places where they're not showing up, but they're still struggling. And there's, it's easy to have this ego reaction of like, well, who are you to tell me? Totally. Or to get really triggered from that person. And one of the things um, I heard you say that I, I want to emphasize was that it's when she's giving you that feedback from a place where she's really connected to herself. She's really in her body. She's really connected to what I'm going to call like her woman's intuition and guidance. Cause that is like one of the most powerful places for women to be giving anything to anyone else. Totally. And then there's a container for it to that. I'm, I'm ready to receive it. So it's like, you know, there could be the hottest guy in the world and who, you know, is so attractive, but if you're not turned on him, entering you is not going to be a pleasurable experience, right? Like this was a bit of a graphic metaphor that I used with her in that moment, which was like, you know, yeah, basically you just shut me down and like violated me. Um, And I don't feel like it was like it was pure in that moment. So really creating a container where like, we know that it's safe for this to happen. And and that is a verbal agreement. And and we do that all the time. Like, can I offer you some feedback or when would be a good time to Mm -hmm. offer you some feedback or I have something that I think might be helpful. Are you open to hearing it? And when, when is the best time I can share that? That makes a huge difference. And I'll say one last thing. One of my huge, one of my biggest challenges is I'm like, I don't know who to be in her life. Like, am I, her boyfriend, her mentor, her coach, because she was um, kind of entering a field of work that I had been in for some time and she was fairly new in it. And I was watching her, you know, navigate the challenges of that. And I'm like, like, what am I supposed to do when things are not working? Am I supposed to just hold space and shut the fuck up and just love you exactly as things are happening? Or am I supposed to ask you some questions to like help you come to your own knowledge? Or am I supposed to offer you um, feedback from my own experience. And I would ask her, I was like, which of it? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. But I think really what I learned later on was that it's just about being in the heart. And then not like those questions kind of don't matter if I'm not connected to my heart. If I'm connected to my heart, then um, the rest kind of seems to figure itself out. Mm. So when you're connected, you can really kind of feel into that answer. And I also heard, you know, when in doubt, just actually ask. Mm. And and I think that's huge for the women listening. Is also, you know, what lives for women a lot of the time is they'll they don't know exactly what they want until they start getting what they don't want, mm. right? So she might have been in that moment and sharing, and what she really wants is you to be her boyfriend and give her a hug, and you start coaching her. And then she's able to realize, oh, actually, I just need a hug right now. And in that moment, if we can stay really conscious and actually ask for what we need, you know, we end up getting what we need instead of getting triggered and getting pissed off and you getting pissed off and it's like becoming a whole other thing. Totally. There was a moment a month or two ago where she's like, can you love me? And this is such a big deal for her to say, like I described what her previous dating relationships were like and her kind of being type A, 
masculine, not trusting, either attracting people who are emotionally unavailable or very needy, kind of, but not in between. Um, and uh, and so for her to say something like, can you love me, is like, is huge. I was so proud of her. And I'm like, sure, baby. Like, how do you want me to love you right now? And she's like, physical touch. Uh, and And so I did. Another thing that's really helpful when we when we talk about relationships is that I find is just knowing how your partner receives love. So I receive love very differently than Nadia receives love. I receive love like if she like touches me, that's love. So she like comes scratches my back a little bit. I melt. I'm like, oh God, sudden it's like it's like I have an orgasm the moment it happens, like total bliss. If I go scratch her back, she'll like punch me in the face. Get the fuck off me. What are you doing? Like that's horrible. And so if I'm trying to love her the way that I interpret love and then she doesn't respond to it, no wonder this isn't working. Mm -hmm. So what I'd encourage everyone to do is to really study and ask your partner, how do you receive love? And if they don't know, well, figure it out with them. Like keep asking until you get to a place where you understand it. There is the book called the five love languages that talks about the distinctions between Um, physical touch. I think it's acts of service, receiving gifts, words of affirmation or appreciation. And and one other one that I'm forgetting or quality time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and that's a great start. And I think the more you get to know someone, the more you can kind of dial it in past that generic five dealio. And and this is true in every relationship, like even with my dad or with Mm -hmm. my sister, I study like what matters to my dad. And so I know that my dad cares about food, travel, animals, and his grandkids. And anytime I see my dad, I'm going to talk about one of those four things because that's to him. He's going to open up. He's going to be like, whoa, like he's always going to have, I can say like, dad, what'd you have for like dinner last night? And literally I see my dad once a week, you know, approximately. And so you might think I might say like, what are the major developments in your life? Or like, what do you think of the world news? But no, no, I start with like, what did you have for dinner last night? Because that's love to him. Food is love. And, and so these are, this is one of those kind of life, I don't even want to call it a life hack. It's just like a, an essential to having the depth of relationship that we're inspired to have. Mm-hmm. I agree that five love language is a great place to start, but it's really getting distinctions in what has other people that I love and that I want to feel love from me actually feel it because otherwise we end up going, you know, leading with how we deliver love and they don't receive it and we feel rejected and they feel unloved and we feel unloved. And it's like the exact opposite of what we're trying to create. So I love that you've broadened that to all your relationships that are important to you. It's like really get over there with that person and provide what it is that they need and what mm-hmm. makes them feel loved, and then also ask for what you need and what makes you feel loved. Because we have to teach people how to love us mm. the same way we have to learn how to love other people. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. So is there anything uh, you didn't get a chance to say that you want to say before we wrap up? I don't think so. I appreciate the great conversation. I didn't really know what we were getting into, and I'm uh, <laughs> delighted and surprised. So fantastic. This is the first time I've ever spoken about my relationship kind of as a whole topic and really explored these ideas publicly. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that we did. Thank you for facilitating that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And I think a lot of people are really going to benefit from hearing some of your mindset and hearing your habits and your beliefs about relationship because they're really empowering. So if people want to find more about you um, or Nadia, where should they go and what should they do? So funny. I was just thinking like, oh, I should send them to Nadia's website as <laughs> you were saying that. Uh, so if you want if you want to keep in touch with me, um, you can just send me an email. If there's, like, if there's something that you got out of this and you want to share that with me, I'd love to know. You can email me jacob at sensify.com. So it's jacob at S-E-N-S-O phy.com. You can also go to sensify.com, join the mailing list. You know, I share cool things with the mailing list that you won't find publicly from me, like the opportunity to interview me that now I'm doing an absurd amount of interviews, which are totally fun and cool when they show up. 
still getting over that. Uh, but awesome. And then Nadia's work is amazing. I'd highly encourage you to check her out. And she's at thepleasureplate.com. So thepleasureplate.com and drop her a line, check out her work. And if you're in New York, definitely go to one of her dance classes, which will leave you in tears in the best way. So uh, that that's it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob. It was a total- cool. Right back at you. Thank you. Damn, yo, we went to some places that I did not expect in that podcast, but I'm excited that you came along for the ride. And Lorianne has done a little something special by creating a worksheet based on today's podcast. So if you'd be inspired to figure out how to take these ideas and bring them closer into your life, then you can head on over to sensify.com slash love 101. That's S-E-N-S-O-P-H-Y dot com slash love 101. And what I'd love is if you hit me up on the twits, twit, 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 twitter, and uh, that was a little awkward, but I'm going to leave that in. Head on over to Twitter and shoot me a tweet at Jacob Sokol and let me know what was a big idea that you took away from that. What did you love most about that interview? Why, oh, why in God's good name did you listen to the entire podcast instead of cut it off at some point? What were you getting out of it? Must have been something. So I'd love to know. Uh, shoot me a tweet at Jacob Sokol. Come on over to sensify.com if you'd like and opt in for our newsletter updates. And have a great rest of your day, all right? Do me that solid. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk soon. Peace out.